You are listening to episode 44 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Kalinski, the CEO of Cedars, which is Europe's leading private investment platform. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. And before we jump into the interview with today's guest, I'm excited to introduce our podcast sponsor. This episode of the EU Startups Podcast is brought to you by Vanta, helping you scale security practices and automate compliance for the industry's most sought-after standards. To close and grow major customers, you have to demonstrate trust. But providing your security and compliance can be time-consuming tedious and expensive, especially for startups, unless you use Vanta. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for the most thought-after compliance standards like SOC2 and ISO 27001 and gets you audit-ready in weeks instead of months. With Vanta, you get up to 400 hours of your time back and reach up to 85% in cost savings. And for a limited time, EU Startups listeners get $1,000 off Vanta. Just go to vanta.com forward slash EU Startups without a dash to get started. Today I'm excited to interview Cedar CEO Jeff Kelinski. Founded in 2012 and headquartered in London, Cedars today is Europe's leading private investment platform. Over 2 billion euros have already been invested through the platform and most recently Cedars also became licensed under the new EU regulation for equity crowdfunding providers. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the EU Startups podcast. Thank you, Thomas. Really, really happy to be here. Look forward to talking about it. Awesome. So for those who are not familiar with Cedars yet, can you give us a short backstory on how Cedars got started, how it evolved over the years, and what the platform is offering today for startups and investors? Sure. Um, it, it, like like many uh, startups, it, its journey began um, very simply a an MBA paper by two founders, uh, Jeff Lynn, Carlos Silva, um, you know, which was which were looking at um, the growth of peer to peer lending. And um, and at the same time, looking at a very fragmented but large uh, investment ecosystem around private companies not fully being satisfied, not being open to um, you know retail investors, um, and that really led to the the genesis of uh, of, of Cedars back in uh, I think it was uh, 2009 when the paper was uh, written, 2011 uh, when we went live first regulated crowdfunding platform in the world um, uh, thanks to actually what was a very progressive uh, regulatory uh, team actually in what was then the F FSA, now the FCA, in trying to encourage more uh, innovation and uh, investment in the private ecosystem. And so we found ourselves in a very unique situation where often startups in any industry segment often start in the US or in you know uh, Silicon Valley and eventually make their way here actually crowdfunding uh, really started here um, and was much more advanced 
um, compared to almost any other market and, and still is in, 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 in some regards uh, as other jurisdictions began to come online. The U.S. eventually opened it up and actually the subject we're talking about today is um, is Europe now coming online as well with a, a regulatory regime to allow us to serve Europe as a as an entire region. So, you know, mm-hmm. Cedars, you know, you know, started the world in in trying to democratize access to uh, you know for investors into private deals and 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 deals that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to see, and certainly for the founders, for entrepreneurs, um, you know, to have a, a, a more I guess fair playing field in in trying to get access to capital to grow their their businesses. So we went from maybe a small number of deals back in you know 2011 2012 per year to um you know upwards of um 250 um in fact uh, the year before last about 300 deals um mm-hmm. were were funded through the platform um so you know a much more mature ecosystem now developed around us um and now trying to take that um into Europe so you know, companies like Revolut which i think um uh, most of your readers will know um we were very excited to serve um, a few years ago, um, uh, it's quite scary to think that they were valued at 300 million uh, when they raised with us. Um, now, um, sort of, you know, 52x later, uh, uh, their valuation has skyrocketed. So, um, you know, you know, great success there. Also, um, uh, it was a great success for them to reach their their customers and turn them into investors. You know, and most recently, um, we. Uh, we funded some interesting uh, organizations uh, like Green Lithium, you know, which mm-hmm. is you know a very different type of organization in terms of mining and uh, and the importance of uh, electric vehicles and clean energy. Um, and they were a huge success uh, this year, um, raising uh, several million. So mm-hmm. um, a, a real spread um, in this journey from uh, uh, stark beginnings to to now a, a proper player in the venture capital ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Okay, so also already some unicorns um, here in the portfolio. Very good. Um, and um, then eventually, at the end of 2021, Cedars got acquired by Republic. Um, how did this impact uh, the Cedars business and the platform so far? And what are the synergies uh, that evolved from that? Sure. I mean, it, it was it was an interesting time because I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the evolution of crowdfunding was, um, uh, and certainly our strategy um, was different here and and for Republic in the U.S. and and in some ways they've come together to um, uh, ideally to kind of get one plus one equal to three. But I think the, the our approach uh, as Cedars uh, was was very much about you know broadening our proposition to serve the entire. Uh, equity ecosystem, which is why we launched, we were the first to launch a secondary market in 2017, um, building out a funds capability um, in 2018 and expanding on that. So, so we really expanded in terms of equity. Republic took a slightly different approach. Republic, um, in a particularly, um, you know, as as you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Because the regulatory lands, the regulatory framework in the U.S. was much more difficult. Um, actually, Ken, as the founder of Republic, expanded not within equity but actually beyond equity. So he actually stepped into crypto and built a crypto division, and um, and set up a venture capital division, almost in a, in a traditional sense, because that was doing very well. And so, um, as 
by the time the two of us came together in um, in a conversation in 2020, mm-hmm. um, we had expanded our capabilities in different directions ourselves primary secondary and 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 um and kind of the whole um end-to-end ecosystem of of fundraising um whereas they had gone into other asset classes mm-hmm. and so the combination as we talked about it um in 2020 was not only a uh, product breadth so actually opening out to not just being an investment platform in equity but to almost being an investment platform in private assets um you know of of many types and to do so globally mm-hmm. so as we think about uh, our expansion now it is very much about bringing some of the capabilities that we built in broadening and within the equity landscape into the US so um actually uh the Cedars engineering team built the uh US secondary market which launched last year um within Republic something which is just beginning there and we are now looking at bringing some of the Web3 capabilities um, that Republic have uh, been working on, uh, like a wallet and staking capability and tokenizing assets into Europe. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, we're, we're implanting each other's capability sets in our separate markets, whilst at the same time sort of integrating our, our two platforms to create a sort of unified investor experience. So as an investor, ideally, over time, as we bring this to businesses and platforms together as an investor you can go to one place and look at different asset classes in different jurisdictions and become educated about them to make investments that you otherwise would never have access to mm-hmm. makes sense as mentioned in the intro uh, cedars was recently licensed uh, licensed under new regulation for equity crowdfunders to operate in sweden denmark spain and the netherlands um, how is this new industry regulation going to change Uh, equity crowdfunding in Europe and also for for Cedars in more um, specific terms. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's quite an exciting time um, uh, for us. I think the the European uh, regulatory framework is something that uh, you know Jeff Lynn, who I mentioned earlier, was actually on our minds for many years, and we were in discussion with the regulators in Brussels for about four to five years before it was finally passed as uh, as legislation. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of the learnings that we had over uh, several years in the UK that then got baked into that regulatory framework. So it's it, it's in a pretty good state and not vastly different from uh, the, way, the way we've worked um, in, the, in the UK. And I think one of the, the fundamental differences here is up until that point, if you wanted to Uh, deliver any crowdfunding, you had to be regulated in a market by market. Um, mm-hmm. Each one slightly different, each one with different rules in play to either protect investors or serve founders, some very difficult. Um, uh, and what this did is create a unified framework across all EU member states. Um, and so, I mean, you mentioned, for example, uh, Sweden, Denmark, Spain, the Netherlands, which is where we are starting But mm-hmm. this regulatory regime allows us to operate across um, uh, all of the EU, and we will sort of sequence our um, opening in in Europe, uh, uh, country by country. But we can do so with one regulatory framework, one platform, um, one set of rules, um, and really therefore give access to founders in each of those countries to investors again across 
Europe, you know, mm-hmm. in the UK, um, and vice versa, open up the door to investors in um, in each of those jurisdictions, to founders, to businesses in other locations, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a Spanish investor in a, in a, in a Dutch business or, or vice versa. Um, and one of the keys here is really about um, the ability to market financial promotions um, mm-hmm. in a standard and, um, uh, and secure way. So that way, you know, from a compliance perspective, investors know that we are complying with the regulation, regardless of which uh, jurisdiction they're in. And one of the most powerful parts of our proposition is to help those businesses, those founders, reach a very broad audience. Because that very mm-hmm. broad audience is not just an audience of uh, investors to bring capital, but is also an audience to hopefully acquire customers, to tell their story, to become ambassadors of their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of those things we can do to a, a, a much um, much greater extent now that this regulation uh, is in place. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, l- l- let me um, get this straight also for uh, our audience who's maybe not so um, much into that topic. So te- just to clarify, technically, it was also already uh, possible before, um, let's say for a German investor to invest in a uh, in a UK-based startup um, or a, a Spanish investor to invest in a, in a in a German startup if it got listed on um, on Cedars. But with this new um, uh, licensing, um basically the the way this investment opportunity can be marketed and can be communicated um, is much more uh, much more clear and much more um, uh, much more doable in a in a compliant way that's exactly right okay. we we can exactly right we we can now allow a founder to broad scale send a message knowing that we're that they're being compliant with mm-hmm. uh, with the law uh, whereas before um they could only be discovered um really by accident rather rather than a a full marketing campaign mm-hmm. cool so this sounds to be very good news then for um for startups who are planning to raise cross border in europe um so that sounds like an exciting opportunity um do you expect uh, the number of european deals uh, on cedars to go up um, because of that in the near future or what are your plans and and hopes there uh, um uh well absolutely i think we it, for a, for a number of reasons obviously because of because of the work we've now done to to be regulated we are increasing the size of our sales and marketing teams to be able to serve europe now that we have a proposition that can do exactly what we just talked about to to you know to really sell that message of mm-hmm. uh of those businesses at scale um um but there's you know there's really an important um, evolution that we're seeing at, at a much larger scale. And, and, and if I kind of talk about this almost as uh, an economic story. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the whole ecosystem around founders, um, in, in having access to capital, for example, you know, was much more mature in, uh, in the U.S., uh, certainly on the West Coast, um, you know, before it was so, you know, here in uh, in the UK and then in Europe. And actually, from a maturity standpoint, and by maturity, I mean, you know, access to actual investors. But then you have a sort of ecosystem that builds out around that, whether it's accelerators, um, you know, uh, or different, you know, studios or mm-hmm. consultants or advisors. So that's that sort of ecosystem that supports founders so that actually people coming into it 
are already well educated. It is not surprising, for example, that you know going from you know zero to you know access to investors and knowing how to put a pitch deck together and the legal agreements that support that is um, a very well understood thing, for example, in the US and now here, whereas as you go into Europe, and then Eastern Europe and and beyond, you know, there's less in immediate access to, you know, people who understand who've done it before, you know, mm-hmm. you can talk to your neighbor. And, and, and so this legislation, what it this is all part of the maturation, the evolving of you know, an an entire, um, uh, you know, an entire continent in terms of the um, uh, access to and education of how to take a business from kind of zero to one, and then one to a hundred, and mm-hmm. and so the speed at which you move and the knowledge and understanding that founders have, you know, this is all part of accelerating that, and so we will play a role in. Um, and we hope to play a, a much bigger role now with this regulation and uh, and and with our opening up into the European market, into the maturation of that of that ecosystem, where we can play not only a role from a functional perspective of hey, um, let me help you as an investor, you know, get access to these deals, or or as a founder, tell your story to a broader audience, but actually to educate. To provide um, a content platform where you know almost as a in a uh, an academy would in terms of giving people access to information tools that they might have mm-hmm. to do their own research and so you know all of all of this plays an important role in in raising the standard the knowledge um, of the ecosystem more broadly and so we really see ourselves playing a, a much bigger role not just as a um you know, almost a utility, but certainly, um, you know, as a source of of knowledge and education and content um, for that broader market to to uh, you know, to help accelerate the the ecosystem of innovation mm-hmm. that exists. And and you talk about the times being you know difficult in terms of you know the current economic landscape. Mm-hmm. One thing that one thing that's been true, you know, through each of the difficult periods that that we've gone through, actually. Difficult times, economic hardship is uh, fertile soil for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are born in difficult times. And so actually the creation of ideas, the development of businesses on the back of entrepreneurs' belief in something usually accelerates during these periods. Yeah. Um, and so in many ways, the um, the access to entrepreneurs is only increasing what we're trying to do now is give them a better proposition um on the investor side you're right i think where there is difficulty is maybe maybe less on the retail side um but certainly what slows things down is institutions are you know doing a couple of things now as a result of these difficult times certainly they're a little bit more choosy in terms of being more discerning on the businesses that they're prepared to invest in the process to get to yes takes longer as they mm-hmm. really want to make sure and the valuations are lower than they were before. Um, and so entrepreneurs are often working on their own, um, on their own um, kind of friends and family for longer to make sure that they get um, as much as, as far as they can before they then kind of step in, in into the broader space. And so we are seeing at the institutional end, 
um, a little bit more of that reservation. But retail has still tended to follow well when when uh, when those bigger check sizes um, come in. So mm-hmm. I would absolutely expect to see material growth um, uh, in Europe. We're, we're beginning to have some good conversations now. The events that we attend, like Slush um, uh, Web Summit in in Lisbon, are all um, demonstrating a growing appetite to come out of uh, what's been um, this economic recessionary period. Okay. So there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's Most good certainly. to hear. Okay. And yeah, maybe this is also a chance for equity crowdfunding um, to to shine in this period um, of time, right? Um, while the big um, VC firms are still very hesitant, uh, I think many private individuals uh, are maybe a bit more um, prepared um, to make some investments um, at, at this time. Um, so so how, how do you think um, equity crowdfunding, maybe, maybe this is a final um, question from my side, how do you see equity crowdfunding funding as a um as a funding source as an investment category um to perform over the um the next years um compared to um direct traditional vc investments um compared to um um, business angel investments that are not done through an equity crowdfunding platform like where do you see equity crowdfunding in that mix do you think it will continue to gain momentum or um, do you think it already reached kind of its height and will from now on um, uh, continue to grow and develop with the overall uh, venture capital ecosystem what are your thoughts on that Sure, it's 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 a great question because it really touches on the evolution of the the ecosystem of players, um, you know, which have been very sticky over a long period of time. In terms, and what I mean by sticky in terms of the fragmentation that exists. Um, so, two things very simply: I expect the market to get larger, and mm-hmm. for um, if you like, platform based investing of which we are. Um, you know, sit right in the heart of that. And equity crowdfunding is really one part of what our platform will eventually be capable of. But platform-based investing will increase its percentage of overall private. So private investing is a multi-trillion dollar space um, globally, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it, it's a very large market. And, and, and there's a number of forces, you know, many of which I'm sure you've talked about in other podcasts which are really around you know more money is moving from public to private um there's a lot of uh there's growth in in private companies even in difficult times and private companies are staying private longer so you Mm -hmm. you have these these very heavy secular trends around private being a, a a a dominant place which has been more quiet in these last few years for all the reasons we just talked about Mm -hmm. um but the fragmentation, you know, which which certainly exists, and I'm not suggesting that 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 goes away. VCs will continue to exist. Um, you know, they, they play a, a critical role. So do the private equity at the high end. So do angels and syndicates at the lower end. Um, but but a platform which can um, can really kind of create this this fair playing field and open the market to audiences that otherwise do not play. I mean, it is. I certainly don't know about you, but you know whether we look at statistically kind of the research that's been done or anecdotally when you <laughs> go to a you know a cocktail party and you talk about what you do, crowdfunding and investing in private is still not a well understood space. People still 
um, unless you're an investor, you know, don't actively participate in it because it's not open. It's not easy mm-hmm. to access. Yeah. So, that, you know, we're really still playing, Thomas, we're still playing in a very small percentage of kind of retail private investment. Um, and so in that sense, there's a lot that's yet to be tapped. Um, you know, so I would absolutely expect to take a much bigger share of the overall uh, private ecosystem in terms of um, where I know you said crowdfunding, I would, I guess, call it private investment platform mm-hmm. platforms play um, where crowdfunding is one of the uh, you know, key product offerings. Um, but certainly as we move into kind of web three services and in fund services, you know, it will, it will broaden. Um, but also I fully expect the market to itself uh, grow. And, and then, then the question is with that growth, what's driving that? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I think the platforms will do a lot of the heavy lifting on driving that because it is really only the platforms that have um, at scale capability to reach broad audiences, to educate broad audiences, to um, allow a sort of uh, fair participation of broad audiences. So in that sense, I think it's, the market gets bigger and we play a bigger role in it. So um, we've still got a long way to go before we talk about crowdfundings leveling off. Awesome. Well, that is good news. Um, so uh, equity crowdfunding cross-border in Europe got a bit more uh, simple. Um, and uh, Cedar <laughs> is, is, the, is a good platform uh, to get started. For transparency reasons, uh, I can also say that you startups uh, raised uh, a small round through Cedars at the end of 2019. And we had a great experience. So uh, we can only recommend it. And uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, thank you for all the information. And uh, we will continue to uh, follow the story of Cedars and um, of your team. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.